I did not have sexual relations with that woman. Yes or no, did you ever take banned substances to enhance your cycling performance? Yes. I had no prior knowledge of the planned assault on Nancy Kerrigan. I am deeply sorry for my irresponsible and selfish behavior I engaged in. Welcome back to Oops! The Podcast. Happy Tuesday, everybody. We are excited to be speaking with you. As always, I'm joined by my dear, dear friend, Giulio Gallarati. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Julio, I'm a little under the weather, my friend. I know, dude. I know. I feel I'm not, bad for I'm you. A, I'm somewhat runny, congested, head cold, not feeling great. But I, I have to say, there's this, there's this strange recognition that you know, having a cold makes me think we're getting a little bit through COVID because I did not get a cold for two years <laughs> because we were always wearing masks and so frantically hand sanitizing and keeping away from each other. So to have a cold again feels like a, a subtle nod to the return to, to life. Feels like the good old days. Yeah. Um, Dude, it, having a cold sucks. Like, especially when I know I have to do things where I'm going to have to like pump myself up for it. For example, this, like, I bet when you woke up yesterday, you're like, man, maybe I can be better by, by Thursday, maybe. Mm-hmm. And that like clock starts ticking in your brain. And then like by night, you're like, if I get a really good sleep and then you wake up and you're like, <laughs> yeah, and you're just fucked, dude. It's it terrible. sucks. Breathing through your mouth all night. You wake up <laughs> feeling as if a, a fucking guinea pig slept in your mouth <laughs> um it, 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 the one thing too by the way we, we we've we've stopped being prepared for colds because we didn't have any so long so you know we were out of sudafed out of tissues you really start to regret cleaning up with tissues from from masturbating when you have a cold because now you have to blow your nose with hard sandpapery toilet paper or god forbid paper, paper towels, towels. At which point that the thin skin on the bottom of your nostrils becomes raw and uh, unhappy. So, you know, no shame fun. on me for, for using the luxurious tissues for their secondary purpose. But Dude, I find that when I, when I was an athlete, when I was an athlete. Um, You're never not an athlete, eh, Julio. No, know, think dude. about this. Think about this. Your sperm will carry that gene. That's true. It lives within you. My juice got the juice. And you will be reaffirmed of that when you have a child who's out there in his first co-ed rec soccer league. He's just smoking everybody. Just crushing That's everybody. That's my boy. Yeah. Um, but dude, I, I I used to get Michael Jordan syndrome a little bit. Like when I would be sick, I'd play really well. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know what it was. Like I think that it's sort of like... Uh, your expectations and the pressure kind of go away. You're like, the best I can do will be better than I thought. Mm. And you kind of play relaxed. And I remember we played Fairfield uh, University and I played this, this kid who was really good and I beat him. It was like one of my better wins that I can remember in college where it was like me playing a guy that like should beat me, but I beat him. And like the, the set scores were close. I was super solid. And I remember my coach, this, his uh, Rocky was his name. He goes, you played like a man today, Julio. Wow. And it was a really good feeling, dude. And I was sick as a dog. So it was awesome. I have to imagine that playing a really well in a tennis match, winning a tennis match as an upset is one of the most validating athletic uh, feelings you could possibly have. Because it's it is all you. It's a good feeling. Yeah. It's all you. It's a good feeling. Was that the highlight of your collegiate tennis experience? No, there are other things. I mean, uh, what's the single high moment? We played a match in in uh, the conference tournament against Stony Brook again, a team that was much better than us. They had a pretty solid tennis team, and we had uh, we fought off like eighteen match points, but we also had twelve of our own. And it's funny on the first match point, we were up six five, and this is a conference match. You know, I mean, if we win this point, we win the doubles point. So the way it works is. I don't need to get into how the way it works. It's boring. But anyway, so we have match point and the uh, ball like that they hit, like kind of hit the back of the line. I called it out. Like you cheat in college tennis. It's just like, (laughs) yeah, yeah. You cheat in college. tennis. Everybody does it. So uh, if it's like really, really close, if it's a big point, it's out. And as this guy, Alejandro once famously said, the line is out, man. (laughs) Anyway, it's a dick move. I usually played like pretty honest, but this ball was like barely in, called it out, start walking to the net. 
the roaming chair umpire, who these guys who have this job, they're fucking dinosaurs, dude. They can't see five feet in front of them. I never have been in a situation where I've gotten overruled. The guy overrules the call. No way. So as I'm walking to the net, he goes, no, that was in. Keep playing. So then we end up going back and forth and match point after match point well, after match point. Hold on a second. How, how much did that overrule affect your mentality? Was that rattling? Uh, no. I, don't th- I think that like if I was in a state where I was doing that, it means that uh, I must have been like fired up enough that I was like just ready to reset. Mm. And I was like, all right, whatever, like fine, fine. So cheating requires excitement? Kind of like, like there's some, there's some days where I like wouldn't have been willing to cheat like that. You wouldn't have had the, I'm not, I woke up feeling like a little fat today and I just wasn't a savage like that. My, my doubles partner was the, uh, the absolute like legendary savage dude to the point where like one time he called a ball out that bounced in the middle of the court on a kid. He goes out and the guy goes, are you fucking kidding me? The kid starts losing his mind. And by the way, we were on the road. We're playing university of Rhode Island. The entire stands start like being like fuck you like yelling at this kid he didn't care at all and (laughs) the guy then (laughs) the guy on the other side of the net then quits he's like fuck this i'm not playing i lose walks off the court and he turns around he looks at my doubles partner he goes how do you sleep at night and i swear to god he goes with a girl (laughs) (laughs) just absolute savage I would never do some shit like that, dude. Like the, the guy's an absolute oh my god savage. What a but it but it, it worked. I mean, now here's my question. I don't condone that behavior. This this makes me. I didn't realize this. This makes college tennis sound like complete anarchy. It's it is complete madness. And 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 how how do you if cheating is that easy? Then how do you? How do you win? So, okay. Most of us, there's like a degree of kind of brinksmanship. You don't want to go through that, what I just described. So therefore, you don't do the calling the ball in the middle of the court out unless you are a fucking psychopath. Right. But those guys exist and you know who they are and you don't want to play them. You know what I mean? Like there was a guy who played for Binghamton who was like that too. And he was like, so anyway, if you're playing, if it's University of Texas playing University of Florida, if you're like these high level, they have real uh, referees. Yeah. So- and especially if it's like a big match like that, but but not always. Do they have a do they have a back linesman? No, there's just one guy usually. A chair umpire. I think so, and I don't even. He doesn't always even necessarily sit in a chair. I think he just kind of like stands there. Okay. And usually there's a guy who floats, but even for those big teams, they don't always have. It. So mm-hmm. it's like you agree to be reasonable with each other because if you're not, it's going to get really fucking ugly, and no one wants to go through that. Yeah. But it's still insane that like. There's just no, it's not a high profile enough sport to justify umpires on every court and stuff. You know mm, what I mean? Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So shit can get ugly. Well, I'm, how often do fights erupt in college tennis? Cause I would think often, often, often. And I, I hated it. What do they look like? Just yelling, being rude. No one's like punching each other in the face. I, at least I don't think I ever recall seeing that, but like, People will start being like, oh, da, 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 da. and it can, it can just get kind of ugly sometimes. So you're telling me when, when, when your partner called the ball out in the middle of the court and that other guy said, are you serious? And he said, I quit. That meant you guys won the match. We won that match. Yes. But that's. It's ridiculous. Insane. It's the craziest. I've never. That's the only time I've ever seen something like that. So <laughs> for the most part, is there sort of an unwritten conduct that you you abide by because if you don't the the whole thing just devolves into yes and listen mutual I, cheating yes and in the stony brook example it's a conference match to win the doubles point you have to win two out of the three doubles matches this was the third one we always lost to stony brook and this was such a big the stakes were so high that it was worth it to try to do that and then i got overruled so we ended up winning the match fair and square and but but because we won that match we like it got on the all-conference team like it was like definitely all in all the highlight of my wow college tennis career. Unreal, probably. man. Um, that but, but this yeah. is something I had no awareness of. I I had no awareness that that <laughs> I I mean we in in our sport it was heavily policed. Right. You know, three typically very good referees mm-hmm. who you know that was their job. They that that they didn't have another job. Right. Um. And 
gosh, that makes me think. I, I don't think I would have done well as a tennis player. Yeah, man. I would have gotten so angry if someone did that to me. <laughs> it really took the fun out of it. Because then what do you do? I mean, you just, at best, you keep your cool and you go back to playing, but now you're, it's impossible. How do you beat somebody who is not, does not need to abide by the rules? I know. And the thing that's frustrating for the guy who quit is that the, my doubles partner, who was our number one singles player, was much better than this kid. And this kid was having a day. He was treeing. He was like, just playing amazing. Treeing? Treeing is the... What is that? I actually, I, I have trouble. Um, I think it's like, I, uh, so I think that it's a tennis term. And I think where it comes from is like, you're, you're sitting in, in a tree and serving down on the court. Oh, I, I, I believe, like a Pepperidge Farm elf. I believe that Not that... Pepperidge Farm. What is it? The, the el Keebler elf. Keebler elf. Yeah, playing tennis <laughs> from an elevated stance. So anyway, as they say, this guy was treeing and my doubles partner was like, I'm not going to lose to this guy. And he pulled some crazy shit to ensure that. But what that guy could have done is let that go and then demanded to have somebody overseeing the lines. Okay. And you get sort of like, dude, it's funny. You find like the most honest guy who's there. That's how you do that. So like the, for our, for our team, there's this guy, Phil, who's like super religious, like a really good guy. So if we needed somebody to do it, Phil would be the guy. He'd be the most honest person we could find. Who gets <laughs> to decide who that person is, though? There's sort of a discussion between the coaches or between whoever, and then we'll be like, you know, this guy feels really honest. Throw him out there. And the other coach <laughs> will trust that? There's really no... Yeah, it's like the best you can do in that situation. <laughs> Why don't you just bring some, you know, someone walking their German Shepherd <laughs> by the courts on? You, wouldn't you want someone who's totally... You'd want, unbiased yeah. for either team yes but unfortunately like the untrained eye is sort of ineffective when it comes to line yeah calling. maybe that german shepherd's a seeing eye dog <laughs> we, and yeah, strike out with a guy who's legally blind <laughs> um interesting wow that's fascinating yeah. and in juniors it was the same thing although i don't recall ever doing this because i didn't want it to come to that but if the other guy was cheating you could just go up and request to have somebody uh overseeing the lines and the tournament director would sort of be like, Ugh, and like go and stand at your, yeah. your match. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Intense. Intense, dude. Treeing refers to the act of hitting every ball as hard as you can, going for winners at inappropriate times, and playing in such a way that depicts oneself to be playing without an essence of strategy. <laughs> oh. Right. Like closing your eyes and just fucking rip, letting it rip and it going in. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Damn. I was, I, I like the Keebler Elf. No, I still think, it, bro, I think, I think it still applies. I think that like Just throwing cookies at you, with this thing in, them. in order to be able to do that, you would have to be sitting in a tree, hitting the ball down on a court. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. On, you know what I mean? Nice. A nice sycamore. Um, I, that's interesting. Wow. Yeah. Fascinating. Crazy shit, dude. Guys, if you're thinking about starting a podcast, fill in the blanks here. If I were in a concert right now and I said, if you're thinking about starting a podcast, I'd then turn the microphone to all of you sitting in the stadium and you would all yell, Anchor, Anchor. And then you'd say, go to anchor.fm to download the software where you could host your very own podcast, see all the best analytics. You could see it in a way that was really user-friendly and nice and not too technical and industry jargony. It's a way that any person can look at it and be like, ooh, that's pretty. And also it's our podcast. And you, there's no minimum listenership required to advertise and monetize. So you can immediately have ads when you hit the ground running it's really exciting, really spectacular. If you want to start your very own podcast, Anchor.fm, download it now. Dude, so last night, so I talked to Francis on the phone last night when he was coming back. He had a show. And I get off the phone, I get off the phone and I meet a friend. We're going to have dinner, but his girlfriend's meeting us. So we don't have dinner yet. So we have a, a couple of drinks. And like, I've never really thought about this because it just doesn't usually apply. But like, I had two drinks before dinner. And just ended up getting fucking blasted, dude. <laughs> like, I just ended up, and I barely even drank. Like, I just ended up, like, I woke up today being like, what the fuck, dude? There was no reason to do that. <laughs> I just woke up today, like, so hungover, and I just couldn't believe it, dude. Wow. The well, night just got away from me. Is that because, that's because you had the two drinks on an empty stomach? I guess. Like, I don't fucking, right? Yeah. I, I guess I, that's I, a thing. I believe in that. It's only I believe, two drinks. It shouldn't. You know, you put two drinks on an empty stomach, right? And then you go to dinner, and I think there are certain foods that once they enter your stomach might act as a sponge a little bit to soak up that booze, but right. others don't. Totally. You know what I mean? Like that if makes you, sense, yeah. If you went to, 
I think sushi is a good sponge. Oh. The rice. I think those rice, uh, the rice around sushi actually acts as a pretty good sponge. I could be making that Salty. up, Salty? Like, isn't yeah. that good, too? Isn't, like, the salt help you retain water or something? Yeah. But if you went to, you know, some vegan restaurant and had <laughs> spring rolls, crunchy lettuce wraps, forget <laughs> about it. That's not going to move the needle at all. Yeah, but, dude, on the other, on the other uh, side of that, like, for example, at, like, a Jewish wedding, when they have, like, during cocktail hour, it's also sort of, like, there's, like, 90 stations that have all that food and shit, mm. and then you have dinner after that still, like... I can't. I could have ninety drinks and be fine on a night like that. Yeah, yeah. I'm, the, I'm at the pigs in a blanket station, the macaroni and cheese station, the sushi. The, the hors fucking- d'oeuvres at weddings are, are 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 really hard to navigate. I find, I because I always eat too much, and then you sit down for dinner and and you think, well, now I feel rude leaving a full plate of this entree, you know. So I eat that too, and then you feel so sick that you don't want right. to dance. Do we ever talk about cake gate on the podcast? My thing that yes. I did? Yes. I don't think we did. But people have been sending me funny. DMs of them doing it too. <laughs> this is one of the fun. Occasionally Francis does something and I'm just like, that's like one of the funniest things I've ever seen. <laughs> oh, no, you have- <laughs> oh, I appreciate it. Yeah, no. Yeah. And it's like, that is, and, and it's great too, because it's just like so true to yourself. <laughs> That it makes it funny, like merging the calls. And that is one of the funniest things I've ever heard in my life. And you eating all the cake. Was it, like, Can you walk us through that a little bit? Sure. Yes. So I went to a, a wedding in Puerto Rico, the one I officiated. And, um, you know, the wedding was sort of winding down. Uh, they had brought out individual slices of cake for every single person. But by this point... By the time the cake was brought out, first of all, a lot of people weren't going to eat it anyway because they were full or, you know, whatever. People just don't eat cake that often at a wedding. And then, um, you know, we we went up to, we, you know, you're up and down dancing back at your table, whatever. And by the, I, after the cake was brought out, I think two or three hours elapsed of dancing and then shifting into the after party which was a DJ at which point 50 to 60% of the guests had retired. Uh, you know, the older contingent, right. the parents, the parents' friends had the gone shout, the shout squad. Home. Yeah. <laughs> and yet all their, all their slices of cake remained <laughs> in, in, in their places where they were going to be. And the wait staff clearly was just letting these cake slices <laughs> you know, sit out and maybe thinking they might come back or who knows. I knew they weren't coming back. Everybody knew they weren't coming back. So I said to myself, okay, well, these, these cake slices are all going to go in the trash. Um, (laughs) And therefore I don't want to waste their best part. So I went down a whole table of like 12 or 13 place settings and picked up uh each slice from each plate and just took the icing bite one after another and then put the decapitated slice back on the plate and went down the line the, the vegetable portion of the slice of cake and um i i videoed myself doing this and the responses were absolutely at the extremes some people said you're a hero my god what a great thing to do you know thank you for not wasting these other people said you are a monster and and still other people said you're taking those slice you you know you're you're the 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 catering staff relies on uneaten food at weddings for their meal and i was like well yeah maybe of the entrees and the real food but the no, nobody's like fending off starvation with the uneaten cake you know what i mean nobody's yeah. like feeding their children the wrapped up napkin cake thing that they bring home like right and also how much cake can you really eat yeah. it's not like you had 75 pieces of cake <laughs> most <laughs> importantly most importantly i only did this with like 12 slices <laughs> there were at least another 60 slices of cake that were untouched. There was so much extra cake as there almost always is that I had no qualms about 
wasting cake. In fact, I thought I was mitigating the waste of the cake by doing this. But, you know. It was pretty fucking funny, dude. Uh, it was funny, and it struck a chord with a lot of people. It's just funny. It's like your serial killer tell, your serial killer tell, you know, like the wet bandits. Like anytime you do it, he always eats the top of the cake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he struck again. Look at the bite marks. You know, it's the, the, you know, the molars are half a centimeter apart. That's got to be Ellis. <laughs> well, dude, I don't know. I feel like my life is constantly in a cycle of having a weekend like like that. And then on Monday being like, all right, today, now I'm going to. Uh, this is it. I'm setting a new leaf. I'm, I'm, you know what I mean? I'm setting a new precedent. And then by Saturday, I'm doing it all over again. But dude, I've started working out with this app, which is one of our sponsors. Yes. It's called FitBod. FitBod. And it's really, it's amazing how like app culture has really aided the fitness process. And this is one of those things. Cause like, I don't know about you, unless I have somebody telling me what to do, or if I have a plan, mm -hmm. sometimes I get stuck doing the same shit over and over again. Yeah, yeah. And that's why FitBod's really cool because it helps you tailor your workout specifically. Um, and it asks you all these really good, relevant questions. Like, do you have access to a gym? What kind of weights are in that gym? Mm -hmm. Like, so based on all of these really, really specific things, it helps you make a really, really specific Curates workout. Curates it for you based on what you have available. Yeah. Which is really dope, dude. That's cool. And especially, you know, and now as everyone has had to sort of take much more ownership, I think, over their own workouts, you know, because fitness gyms, everything, whatever, shut down, like group workout classes, people aren't really flocking back to those as much. Having a a self-accounting uh, system like FitBot, it, it, to me, is is so important. Dude, 100%. Um, and, you know, whatever your fitness goals are, you know what I mean? Like, sort of... The idea of perfection perhaps is an illusion. You know what I mean? But there's sure. always there's always a higher level to strive for that looks different for everybody. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? No matter what your goals are. Uh, but when it comes to fitness, you know, get in there, let her rip. We recommend trying out this app. It's pretty cool. Um, the algorithm uses all of your like personal data as well to help you maximize your your workout and your results. And you know, I've felt good about working out muscles that I try not to work out because they're not fun. There you like go. My back or yeah. shoulders or whatever. So. Anyway, pick up the pace on your fitness journey with FitBod today, and your future self will thank you. Get twenty five percent off your membership, uh, off of your membership at FitBod. That's F I T B O D dot me slash oops for twenty five percent off. That's twenty five percent off at FitBod dot me slash oops. Check it out, dude. So your uh, your doormen, bro, are great. Yeah, they are. They're really great. Like when I see them, it makes me so happy, dude. I'm just like, look at this guy, dude. Really quick, so you know how I posted the uh, the Halloween complaint email that I wrote? Yeah. One of the doormen DM'd me and was like, "Bro, I can't believe this. This is hysterical. Like, <laughs> I wonder who it was." <laughs> I'm like, uh, poor guy. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it was me. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, they're, they are. They're such a New York institution. They're such a staple. This is the first place I've lived in New York that had doormen, and they are wonderful characters. They really are. There's really a talent to being a doorman. Um, uh, you know. And by the way, it's such a funny thing. Doorman to me sounds in, in, insulting. You know, the term feels outdated. It's like, why haven't we updated that right. to some more? Build, you know, building attendant yeah or, or some, like yeah. master of greeting ceremonies <laughs> uh, uh, package overseer whatever you know master of greetings is pretty fucking yeah, something good. a little more elegant master um, of greetings the mog yeah dude that's funny sommelier of the uh welcoming of the, arts of your phone is your food is here um phone calls but um you know they are they are and they're all in a union and they all have these great personalities and they become a huge part of your life you see them at, you know at least twice a day yeah totally um so yeah what were you gonna say no no them? nothing I was, I was like daydreaming about having them all over my house for like dinner or something and like yeah and, and just picture them be like hey and like they're holding like a box of pastries or something and being like talking about the traffic Ah, oh, the traffic on two seventy eight. You know what I mean? So <laughs> yeah, I, can, I yeah. just pick, and then uh, they they're but they're already really comfortable. So they're like, 
well, is the game on? They go down, you know, it's Thanksgiving, I guess. I don't know, it's mm-hmm. th- th- not Thanksgiving this week. Anyway, yeah, I was like fantasizing about hanging out with them. They're, they are really fun to hang out with. And if you spend more than 20 seconds talking to them, you go from that typical, you know, nice day today, have a good walk, you know, how are you, whatever. You hit that next tier of conversation. Right. Because they're like, oh, he's here to stay. Let's go. Here we go. And then you start to get into the real treasures that yes. they have to offer. And um, man, I mean, these guys that work here, uh, one of them listens to the pod. Shout out Edgar. Edgar. Um, well, I've Edgar, seen Edgar. Edgar is an absolute character. <laughs> he, you know, Kojai always humps his leg. <laughs> Because he's he loves Kojai. They all they love all the dogs, but he is particular. Like he'll get out from behind the desk and like come give Kojai a, a proper face massage and talk to him. Be like, come here with that face, you know. <laughs> and as soon as he gets down to Kojai's level, Kojai goes around the back to hump his leg, and so he'll talk to me. He'd be like, "Man, Kojai doesn't hesitate." You know, <laughs> comes around. He's just after my leg every time. Like, Man, you got to ask my leg out for a date first, Kojai. You better ask me out for a couple of days before you do something like that. That's great. That's great. So funny. That's yeah. really funny. Um, dude, I have. There's. A, this is a rich topic. I feel like, uh, doorman. Because okay, did you try to hide from them that you were a comedian initially? I didn't say it. How did they figure it out? Because you were like, listen, you know this guy's coming for the pod. Out? No, this is how they figured it out. I was down there one day in the lobby, you know, getting a package or something, and there was a real estate agent waiting in the lobby for a client to come show them an apartment in the building to to look at. And the real estate agent in front of the doorman was like, oh, my God, you know, I'm a huge fan. Got it. And and the the doorman was like, what? (laughs) Who are you? And I, I was like, I'm a comedian. And he's like, really? And people know you? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, man, you 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 know what these apartments are like. You know, I'm doing okay. And uh, <laughs> and uh, and he was like, oh, shit, I'm going to look you up. And um, and he looked me up. And then uh, sure enough, now he listens to the podcast. And very so, quickly the word gets out. Yeah. So, dude, I have a question. Do you ever, um, do you ever order food? Like, do you ever like, I feel like they're introducing so many different ways to kind of order food. Like, do you yeah. ever do any kind of like meal prep? You know, I, I have done, I, I've done some, um, but I, I don't know what it is. I, I, you know, I just, I like going to the grocery store. I, I don't know. That's, yeah. that's the way I do. I like, I like grocery store groceries, yeah. but if I could have those delivered, yeah, that would be ideal it could be interesting right yeah we i have started using hello fresh oh really yes which is now one of uh somebody that we're part we've partnered with okay awesome. um and they will they send you like fresh pre-portioned ingredients and like you know whatever recipes whatever the recipe is that time of year and they, they just send it to you and it's actually really interesting and it makes cooking really easy that's true it's just having like pre-portioned stuff um it's pretty amazing and to be honest especially like around the holidays stuff can get hectic uh, but like HelloFresh really helps keep stuff pretty simple. Mm-hmm. Uh, like it, like I said, recipes, ingredients that just completely cut out the grocery shopping mm-hmm. and just to kind of like limit your meal preparation. You don't have to be like, how much of this do I put? Like, I don't know about you, dude. Like I don't have that momly eyeballing ability. Mm-hmm. So you don't I'm, know what a teaspoon of salt is. <clears throat> right. Like <laughs> not only that, like I'll make a salad and the salad's just like all Brussels sprouts. I'm like, what the fuck did I, what did I, like, why did I think this many Brussels sprouts were necessary, dude? Um, but dude, I don't know. HelloFresh is a can't beat value. Even at full price, it's over 30% cheaper than grocery stores. True. And with this, hol- like, with this holiday deal, it's time uh, to try for even less. So uh, go to HelloFresh.com slash oops14, oops14, and use code um, oops14. So, okay, I'm going to read that again just so people don't get confused. HelloFresh.com slash oops14, promo code oops14 for up to 14 uh, free meals and three free gifts. Wow, that is a huge deal. It's a good deal. That's a huge deal. 14 meals? (laughs) It's a lot of meals. That's so many meals. It's a lot of meals. Yeah. Uh, So get those meals, dude. Um, like dinner for the Von Trapp family. (laughs) 
<laughs> they would have loved that code. Uh, oops. Uh, sorry. HelloFresh.com slash oops14. Uh, code oops14 and get your situation with HelloFresh. It's a good one. Um, nice, nice. Dude, we talked about this in a much earlier, like on a very, very early oops episode. But what is it with grown men and the sound of music? Does your dad love the sound of music? I think so. My dad loves the, the sound of music. We as a family loved the sound of music. Your dad loves the sound of music? And one of the, and, and my like. What's your favorite song from the sound of my music? My like fake father, who the people that I used to live with oh, in yeah, the yeah, city, yeah. he loves the sound of music. Yeah. And it blows my mind. I mean, it's great. I it's, think it's so it's unusual to me. You know what I would guess that it is? I would guess that it's it's the fact that it's, yes, sure, a musical, but it's led by, you know, this stoic, militaristic patriarch, right. Captain Von Trapp, during World War II, which right. we all Boomers know our, love World War our II fathers too. love. <laughs> Boomers love World love. War II. Dude. There's real Nazi kind of insignias and propaganda, and it's a family fighting back against against Nazi occupation. It's Julie Andrews, right? Yeah, and she looks amazing. She's amazing. Way. She's a great leading. What a, uh, what a voice! What a voice! I saw her on sixty Minutes once, talking about how you know because she used to have like a five or six octave range or something insane, and hit these. She's like Willie the operatic whale. Yeah, ridiculous you high notes. Cartoon? You know, truly, truly trained, trained singer. And she had a vocal operation, a, 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 a probably similar to the one I had to remove polyps um, that had developed, and it completely destroyed her voice. Wow. And she gets, she was so upset, she couldn't even really talk about it. Oh my but God. It, it crippled her. Poor thing. Um, and That's crazy. Yeah, I know. I know. Fortunately, you know, we did get to, I think, see her. She has so many iconic roles. Um, she was amazing. My, she was Mary in Poppins. My Fair Lady, right? No, no she wasn't. I don't think so. She wasn't in My Fair Lady. She was Mary Poppins. She was Mary she Poppins. Mar yeah, Mary Poppins, Sound of Music. I mean, what a, what a talent. So. Yeah, she was amazing, dude. Uh, Do you have a favorite song from that movie? I, 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 this is hacky, but like her running through the field. The hills are alive mm. with the sound No, I don't think that's music. hacky. That's, that's, that's iconic. Yeah. I, 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 I like, that's probably my favorite. Yeah. Also, another thing, the, the puppet at the end. Remember they're doing that puppet yeah. show? I on a hill with yeah. a lonely goat. <laughs> you're 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 this is definitely the only podcast that has ever everybody in the room sang along to oh the yeah music. chiming in that uh, one i she I, looks I, like my grandmother the puppet and we always used to be like oh that looks like nonna lena uh, <laughs> um anyway but, i was always i was always so uncomfortable <laughs> where were you uncomfortable about i was always uncomfortable when i knew that the one you are 16 going, going on, on 17. 17 you've got a lot to learn <laughs> by the way what a mansplaining song i know i know he's like 18 i know dude he's not 30 that's hilarious he's one year older than she is and he's like baby you don't know anything you about don't know the world shit. oh my god she's like teach me as we flock around this gazebo og mansplaining we need to cancel sound of music dude yeah but yeah, that's funny fantastic fantastic you mentioned you you had a friend named edelweiss oh no dude so i have an an aunt named edelweiss and a cousin wow yeah so that's that is the song that is the most moving and the most memorable to me from the from the show right in, in the end you know when he he's performing it in front of the big group and or the whole concert they do the von trapp family singers as they stage their escape and he's got the guitar and he's so moved that he can't keep singing right, and he gets choked up and then she comes out and they all join in and the whole man if you don't get chills it's a moment i'm getting them now yeah, my <laughs> eyes are starting to itch yeah yeah that is what a scene it's a moment what a powerful scene um it's funny. I, I don't necessarily even consider myself a musical person, like a musicals person. Mm -hmm. um, but who doesn't love a good fucking musical? Dude? I you watched know, it in the Heights. It blew my fucking mind. In the Heights, you know. I, again, I am a big musical person, and unfortunately, I think bad musicals are pretty tough to sit through. But yeah. good musicals, I've seen some good musicals in my time. You know, um, man, I saw La Cage au Folle. 
I don't know that. The Birdcage with oh. Kelsey Grammer and Douglas Hodge. And my dad. That's a musical? Yeah, they, they made a musical oh, wow. on Broadway. I love that movie. Um, my dad played middle school football with Kelsey Grammer. What? You know, Frazier. <clears throat> yeah, right? no, that's super random. And then we ran into him in Hawaii when I was out there with a friend of mine uh, after my freshman year of college uh, at this really sick resort. Um, and I said hi to him and let him know who my dad was. They played high school, middle school football together. He was so, he, you know, he thought that was so funny. And he gave me his number. <laughs> and then fast forward two years he's on his broadway run of doing la cajo fall and it's getting rave reviews all the shows are sold out and i text kelsey oh grammar God. i'm in my doing my junior internship and i say kelsey it's francis we met you know our dad's played you know, my dad corky ellis you guys played uh you know middle school football together and i we're in new york any chance uh, of us coming to the show and he said, yep, I'll set aside two tickets for you. What? So he gets us two tickets. They're like five rows back from the stage. What? Dead center. Um, and then they they do the play. It is mind-blowing. Amazing. How good it was. It was, I'm talking, I am out of breath laughing. <laughs> Tears of laughter, incredible music, brilliant dancing. Um, when he comes out, and when they do their curtain call, Right, so they're in front of this whole standing ovation of the theater. He's like bowing, and he points to me, and he goes, "He goes, we'll connect." What? And and I'm like, okay, great. You know what? Sitting in the fucking thing, and um, we go out. He brings us out for a drink, me and my girlfriend at the time, what? to a bar nearby with the whole cast. What? And uh, it was one of the great New York nights that I've ever had. It Dude, really Francis was. continuing to outdo himself with celebrity t- t- stories. But they're all weird, you know, weird. I know, that's like my crazy. Dad, it wouldn't, none, uh, all these weird things had to line up for that to happen. Dude, that's, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, as you, so, dude, Hillary makes a good point about, like, I I've, I've, think I've learned to appreciate them more since I've dated her because she loves them. Um, and I've always, my, my mom used to take me and to, I, I saw West Side Story and like, I loved that, whatever. So I'm not like unfamiliar with it, but Hillary makes a very good point. Like you have to be, um, you have to be a master of so many skills to be able to, to do that at the highest level. Yeah. Dude, she literally just like point at the screen and go talent. <laughs> I love that. Talent. I love that. And it's true, dude. Like you have I- to act, you have to sing, you have to dance, you have to have like have energy. Like there's just so much. There's so much. I I think for me there is no bigger flex than when massive blockbuster stars, movie stars, decide to do a 12 week limited engagement run of some drama play. Right, right, right. Because it's basically them saying, first of all, I don't need the money, and I'm just going to remind everyone in the grittiest way possible of how it. talented I am. Yeah, because you can't hide on stage yeah do you know what i mean in a movie you're in a conversation you say your line and then the camera goes to the person you're talking to we don't even see you but on stage you've got to act listening which i've always found is the hardest thing Mm. how do you act surprised about from a line that you've heard right a thousand times in rehearsal right right um and you know the great the great actors just showcase how yeah. you're like oh that's why you had it you had that behind you yeah it wasn't like you just were ripped and got cast as a marvel's avenger or whatever right like you had skill and then and now you're reminding of us of totally it. and the other thing too dude it's like to do that like it's, it might, it could potentially be intimidating for somebody who doesn't quite have the chops that those people do like i remember in acting school all they they'd be like Mark Rylance. Yeah. That's all they would talk. I'm like, I didn't even know who that was until right. I was there. And then he, he's since like been in a bunch of movies and stuff. He has, but that's a guy kind of like Philip Seymour Hoffman where you're like, well, yeah, of course they can act. <laughs> right, right, right. Do you know what I mean? Like, this guy must be able to act. Yeah. Whereas Jake Gyllenhaal will do Broadway or Daniel Craig, Bond. You right, know, he'll right. come do Broadway and, and you're like, oh... So, dude, I wonder. It's like watching. To me, it's like when, when Kevin Durant goes and plays at Rucker Park. So and scores like forty five. Okay, points. so to me, it's not. It's the opposite. I wonder if it's like 
if it's like, you know, the Mark Rylances of the world, when they see Jake Gyllenhaal as the star in the thing, it's like the equivalent of a TikTok star trying to do stand up. It's like, it's like, let's see if you really got it. Like, do you, you know what I mean? Well, okay. But like Lemiz, dude, the actors in the movie, like they, the, you could tell they didn't have the range necessary. You don't it's think different. Hugh Jackman had the range? I, not the way that like some of the other people in the movie did. Hugh Jackman is an operatic. He was incredible, singer. but I didn't. I I felt like it was clear that if he wasn't Hugh Jackman, it wouldn't have been him. Not mm. to be not to be nitpicky. Russell Crowe, forget about it. But then like Amanda Seyfried was incredible. Okay, and yes, then, I agree, Russell Crowe. But I think for me, Hugh Jackman, because he's done enough Broadway musicals. Where he, he, I mean, his voice is just insane. It's a singing voice. It's so powerful. His, you know, vibrato is nuts. Dude, it just, I felt like he didn't have the range. This is a hilarious conversation. <laughs> I'm being, this is super nitpicky. I like, I don't even have that strong of an opinion about okay, this. Okay. Well, that, okay. So, all right. To go back to the Kevin Durant example, yeah. uh, you know, well, okay. Then that's let, real acting. Let me Theater use, is an actor's. Let me use, let me use um, Denzel. Because I've seen Denzel on Broadway, and he comes and does it a couple times. You know, he's done it a few times, and he's amazing. He's the best. I'm sure the best on stage among a, a group of theater only. I'm actors. sure. I'm sure. And my question then becomes: Who are the people who can who are like can do it for real? And who are the people that are like, I'm a big star. I'm going to do Broadway, and then like there's a learning curve for them. I just wonder. About yeah. That. So I think a good example for me, and I don't know, but. Um, you know who's that the actor that everybody loves who was in clueless and then anchorman he never ages um handsome guy chris klein no 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 not chris jesus christian slater i mean no um, um you know who i'm talking about in clueless he was in it was his first role is he in the guy from scrubs no <laughs> oh oh the the he, gu- paul Rudd. Oh. Thank you, Ryan. Jesus Christ. Yeah, Paul Rudd Thank went you, and did Ryan. did a, a a Broadway play, and I mm-hmm. but I you can see him being good on on Broadway. Right, right, Do you right. know what I mean? It yeah, it's just like acting on screen is so different than acting on the stage, yeah. and like it's it's much easier to sort of be to be small on on camera. Yeah. So like if you have the the a capability of like being big, right? And doing what you need to do on theater. That could be that could mean whatever you want it to mean. Mm-hmm. It's easier for a Philip Seymour Hoffman to be able to do that and then do a movie where he's like super subtle and like doing whatever. But I feel like it's hard to do the other way around. So to your point, I wonder, Paul Rudd, who's like so natural and so kind of like good at whatever, like it may, was that hard for him? Like who knows? Maybe mm-hmm. he's a fucking Shakespearean actor. Like I don't I don't I don't know. I think all of these people who became major acting successes grew up taking drama. I and, dude, you'd be surprised. I don't know if that's true necessarily. Sometimes it's like you were in LA and you were hot and then like you got good at acting over time if you became I think that's I think that's usually the exception. Brad Pitt, that was the case. Dude, I I but, I I have like really I was I was curious about this at one point. I was like, do I how much do I need to study if I really want to be like a great actor? Mm-hmm. And I would start reading about everybody's backgrounds and you'd be amazed at how many people like didn't go to like conservatory no stuff. i know that but they definitely they okay i don't know i don't know so it's interesting because i have acting training yeah i took a bunch of classes in college at the american repertory theater i then did uh you know ser- serious scene intensive studies mm-hmm. at um some you know studio here in new york and i've done all kinds of different classes and plus improv and all that bullshit. Yeah. But I wonder if I were to get cast in a show, a comedy, how obvious would it be that I do not have enough acting training? Right. And honestly, like, who knows? Maybe you do. How much? Here's an example. Uh, Lil Dicky. Yeah. On Dave. Yeah. I've never watched it. Okay. Guilty. I actually think he's actually a surprisingly good actor. Really? And we know that this show came as a result of him building this incredible, weird rap career Mm -hmm. where he still, he has the rap talent, but it's also with major overtones of humor and irony and all of that. And all of a sudden he's got this TV show where he's forced to act. 
did he have to take a ton of acting classes really fast right, to right. catch up? Or was it so adjacent to his performance as a rapper that he was able to sort of blend right. those two things? And it could be both. Maybe he has training before. Like, dude, I feel like it's one of those things like a sport where it's like you got to a certain level and you can get it back. But like maybe you're a little rusty kind of thing. Or if you were a brilliant basketball player and super fast and all of a sudden you step onto a football field as a receiver and your athletic instincts oh, interesting. carry over interesting. a little bit. Interesting. I have always found it's a, it's like it really is a, a craft. Mm-hmm. It can be learned. Yeah. And I think that if you can get your mind in the right place, I think that's the most important thing to be able to understand how to do it. And then I truly believe that anybody can learn to do it. But yeah, dude, I, I, I believe it. It, it. it truly is a craft. Mm-hmm. Speaking of craft, oh, <laughs> yeah, dude, I, I'm pulling it up right now. The switchcraft, old switchcraft, my new favorite game. I'm about to show you guys what level I'm on, <laughs> and you're going to be like, "What? Like, do you have time to do anything else in your day?" I am on level 294. <laughs> I'm on level 294 of switchcraft. If you, if you don't think that we are true drinkers of the Kool-Aid of our own, you know, ads on this podcast, you got another thing coming. Dude, and it's funny now, I've been getting DMs from people who listen to the podcast discussing the things that are happening in the game. Oh my god. And it's really funny. Like I'll get a screenshot of the librarian and with like an SMH emoji because the librarian's a real kooky character. <laughs> I bet uh dude this game is so fun it's like uh you know a classic kind of match three game with some sort of wizardy music in the background with this incredible sort of graphic novel that as you unlock the levels you then can experience what happens in the next level it's about our pal bailey who's trying to find her friend lydia who has disappeared something fishy's going on we don't know what it is and that's why i'm on level 294 attempting to figure it out and you're just hooked how how hard is it to beat levels to get to the next level it depends you know uh like some levels are harder than others uh-huh. and sometimes you know it'll take me a few tries okay um, and other times i'll get through it i'll get lucky whatever very cool. uh, but dude i can't put this game down uh i really enjoy it and i highly recommend how can we there. get this game um you download for free and the app store yeah download switchcraft today for free and you can unlock the magical mystery it is amazing wow <laughs> fantastic switchcraft um, i love it so dude we're well, I, I wanted to ask you um, if there's any part of you that I say fears success, but I think maybe a better way to put it would be, is there any part of you that is worried you are unprepared for success? Interesting. Um, I got to be honest, dude. <laughs> I feel very prepared for it. <laughs> <laughs> I feel prepared. I To what degree will it happen? I don't know, but I feel very prepared for success. I feel like pretty content with like the way my life is for the most part, knock on wood and who I am and the things I think and the things that I like to do. I feel pretty comfortable with all that. And I don't think that like success will somehow uh, change that. Now, of course there's other things that go along with that. Like if I were to get successful, all of a sudden does that start to feel fragile? And you're like, Ooh, this feels so good. I could, it could go away at any moment. Have I done anything in the past that is going to come up that I forgot about or that like, I don't want people to know. Is it going to be hard for me to just live my normal life? Like, I guess I kind of think about that, but besides that, I'm not that scared of it. I I have, um, that's exactly it. This is, I, I have a deep fear that I will get some major break in my career and instantly someone is going to dig up some quick soundbite from episode 12 or 48 of oops the podcast right and i'll get shane gillis right and i almost am at the point now where i want to hire someone to go through and listen to every single episode of the podcast as though they are a network executive about to buy you know me or hire me to be the head of their new show that's like it's not a bad idea and just say listen be absolutely overly cautious yeah anything that you think might even remotely uh not age well Mm -hmm. because and and this is the sad part of this man what i've learned unfortunately is that 
the people who want to take you down don't don't care about what you've said until you're successful. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They don't. There's no reason for them to waste their ammo on me right now. Right. Which makes me think that the efforts to rip people apart are a byproduct of success, Mm -hmm. which is so petty. Uh, You know, it's like you're, you know, because they've heard the things. Mm -hmm. Things are out there now that would get me in trouble, but they're not acting on them because I'm not worth it yet. Right. And I, I mean, I feel I'm sure this strikes a chord with you, particularly given that, you know, something like this has already happened to you well but but that's exactly it right it's like what that when that when that happened so i don't know what percentage but so much of the drive behind that was not because of what i had done but rather because of the success of the company that i worked for right right and and i know that to be true because um none of those people gave a shit none of the people who were attacking me gave a shit two days later how many nasty messages did you get i didn't really want to look did that make it worse was it like okay guys like i have paid the piper here like can you stop her like saying mean shit to uh, look, me i know we come up on this sometimes on the podcast and and people have heard the story but i do think about it a lot especially as i've kind of revived my career and i'm now back in a position where i'm like oh uh oh i've put myself back in a place where i am there's something to take away from me again um and you feel exposed um but what i would say this is something that always has stuck with me and is, is so ridiculous when i when i got fired right um I, I wrote this long apology, which I posted, and and a lot of people thought, oh, that's a that's a well written apology, okay. So people kind of were like, good on you. And then I didn't write anything or say anything for like two days. And on day two or three, I emerged from the bedroom, the the gloom, and said, okay, I have to start picking up the pieces here and and you know and i wrote a tweet that said like today is a new day um you know i'm going on a a bike ride like let's let's ride or something something kind of just like (laughs) positive and i recently went back and i don't even know why looked at one of the sort of articles of that had covered what i had done and and you know tried to take me down and they had noted that they were like, Mr. Ellis uh, wrote this long apology, but just two days later, he wrote a very, like, he wrote the, a tweet, you know, talking about, joking about going for a bike ride, as if to say, like, you clearly he that. didn't, clearly he didn't mean it. Just look <laughs> at him back on Twitter just two days later. Look at him back on the bike. Backing back into humor. And, and it's like, well, what would you have me do? Right. Not how long do I have to not work? This is my job. Right. I have to work. Just because you took away my job doesn't mean that you know I, I have no choice. I yeah. have to make money. I have to get back on the horse as best as I can. How long do you need me to sit in fucking solitary confinement, sulk, muzzled at at your behest for you to be satisfied that I've I've you know taken the punishment that I've that have yeah, done it. That yeah, have done the time. Um right. what what and and who gets to decide? I know. I know. And and then you realize it's not even about what I did. It's about satisfying them. They want to be satisfied that they have you know, they've crushed you enough. Mm-hmm. And the mob. There's no amount there's they'll never be happy. Dude, I know. It's like what do they expect from you? They just want you to like be sitting in your cell with only your toilet and your pair of bird dogs. I would hope that they would let me have that to wear in my misery. That would be a great, at least let a man, let a man keep suffering his, comfort, his dignity and his comfort and his bird dogs. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Julio, if I'm going to be sulking in a pit of despair 
the least thing I can have is built-in underwear liners uh, so that I don't have to change my pants very often. Um, <laughs> Dude, the be- the absolute best wardrobe for sulking. Yeah, yeah. It really is. You know, it'll keep you happy in your darkest times. I'm wearing the bird dogs right now. We are drinkers of the Kool-Aid. Check it out, YouTube watchers. These are bird dogs I got on. Uh, they have built-in <laughs> underwear liners that are so, so comfortable. They render uh, underwear obsolete. Um, you can get your pair now uh, alongside a whistling vortex-type football. If you use <laughs> promo code OOPS at birddogs.com, shorts, pants, joggers. joggers. They got it all. Get your boy, your man, a Christmas present. Get some joggers. Get some pants for him. These are the pants uh, that the one, the sort of the one pant to rule them all. Um, <laughs> huge buyers of the bird dogs. Birddogs.com, promo code OOPS. Love it. Um, okay, so what I was going to say is that, you know, a couple weeks ago, um, I think we got kind of our first, in that I can remember, sort of backlash to something that we'd said on the podcast. In and, a while, at least. Yeah, yeah. where it was, uh, you know, we were talking about <clears throat> um, how I'd come to learn that basically my fiance would let me really let myself go and she would not leave me. And then we were wondering how far could you let yourself go, whether it was not washing your hair or showering for ages on end. And of course I I said, how much weight could you gain? And um, I realized now, of course, that it, it kind of came off insensitive to, uh, to people who are overweight or dealing with weight issues. And, you know, I'm I'm aware that um that that's a huge a huge issue for people. Um, and I didn't I didn't I certainly didn't mean to be insensitive. As always, I was just trying to be funny. I feel like that that line that cop out has been beaten to death by people who mm. who screw up. But you know, I also think like the theme. Granted, that can be taken as as insensitive for sure. Um, I feel like we did sort of try to make the point that just the idea that if, if you're the person that you're dating has some significant change, is that something that you can deal with? You yeah. I mean? And we got there thanks to you. But well, I think originally my point was like a pure humor one that was a little fat shamey. And for that, I do apologize. I think one thing that was really interesting to me though, in this was that, um, I got two very specific messages. One was from a listener who said, you know, uh, wow, really disappointed to hear you fat shaming on the recent episode. I'm, you've lost me as a follower and a listener, right? Just period. Amen. That was it. And, and, you know, totally fine. Whatever. The other message I got was from a listener named Lydia who said, I was really disheartened to hear your fat phobic views on oops. I can only imagine how demoralizing it would be for a larger woman to hear how you spoke on this episode. I know you mentioned not wanting to seem like you're saying fat people are inherently ugly, but if you genuinely re-listen to those segments as if you were a fat woman, you'd hear how upsetting it was. There are a million different reasons why people gain weight, and contrary to popular belief, it isn't usually due to personal responsibility. Fat people are fighting an uphill battle against societal misconceptions of laziness, being gross and unhygienic, being unhealthy, etc. Women in particularly are so so affected by weight stigma. There's a reason why 90% of people with eating disorders are women. I would blame Instagram for some of that. But anyway, the book Health at Every Size is really good if you're interested in getting more educated on the subject. I hope this doesn't come across overly sensitive or that I'm being a hater. I'm such a big fan and will continue to listen. I can tell you're really open-minded and a good person. Just thought I'd throw that out there if you happen to be reading DMs. Guys, that is such a more productive way to teach an ignorant person or someone who has said something ignorant about what they've done. What an incredibly productive and instructive way to try to, you know, to fix something. Right. I am going to read that DM and reconsider what I said and think about it 
so many more times than from someone who's like, fuck you, I, I'm out of here. Mm-hmm. And again, do whatever you want. But if you have an issue with someone who is, sounds ignorant on a podcast, whether it's from a racial perspective, stereotyped, sexist, you know, fat phobic, transphobic, any of that stuff, um, giving a book recommendation and saying like, this is why, you know, this issue hurts people. Uh, and, and also being like, listen, I'm not, I don't think you're a bad person. I just think you, you could have a little bit more of a nuanced point of view on this. Teach people. That's how you fight ignorance. Ignorance is a lack of knowledge, a lack of understanding, a lack of compassion. And that is so much better than clipping the soundbite of me making a joke about weight and then posting it on the Instagram being like, can you believe what the, this asshole said and trying to like hurt my livelihood? I, 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 I just think we would really benefit as a society if we tried to revert to teaching and informing, you know, treat me like I'm a kindergartner. If a kindergartner went up to another kid in kindergarten and was like, you're fat, you wouldn't wait till that kid got cast in a movie and be like, I have a fucking story about him. Back in the day, he called this other girl fat. Let's crush him. You would be like, well, he just doesn't know any better. And I think that is the case a lot of the time. Um, and anyway, that's that's all I have to say about that. Um, you know, and uh, that's it. Yeah. I Any mean, thoughts? Sorry. I mean, no, it's okay. I think you go, you know, I think you go, it, it's funny because we clearly don't think anything negative about overweight people. No. You know what I mean? Of course not. I, that would be incredibly insensitive. I have a lot of close friends and family and people who like have weight struggles and stuff. And uh, I would never like, I don't think lesser of them or anything. And I, and, and I also think beauty comes in different shapes and sizes. And I truly believe that. You know what I mean? I don't think you need to be skinny to be beautiful. Like, of course, we both believe that. We, you know, I think that the Joe, the 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 discussion, like it was, it was easy to highlight that part of the discussion, just mm-hmm. because that's an easy example um, of like how a person can change in a relationship, right? That's, that's an easy example. That was really all it was was trying to illustrate like a a really dramatic change that someone in a relationship could undergo, right? Um, and unfortunately, I think to Lydia's point, mentioning weight gain in the same sentence as someone who stops showering right. makes it as if I'm conflating weight gain with a complete right. like loss of effort, Lack laziness, of giving up on yourself. Right. And that's not true. So I understand that, but I understand it because Lydia took the fucking time to tell me. Right. And, you know, like in a way, you're lucky that you had somebody who was willing to do that. I am. To a degree, it requires taking the high road because it's easy to just be mad and be like, fuck you, not listen anymore. Um, But it's a it is a it is a way to kind of like get everything you want. It's like, man, I like these guys that bummed me out. How can I continue to like them? Yeah. Here's how. Right. Check this out. You're you seem like a reasonable guy. Prove me right. Do you think that, you know. If if I were to get cast in a movie, someone would bring up the original clip of me talking about Noah. Like that's a great example to me. Cuz we all I don't know most of the listeners of Oops know the story of Noah and know that it's a running joke and it's funny and I don't mean at all that I intend to have no. sex with this kid once he turns 18. I don't, I think that you'd be much more likely to get in trouble for what we just talked about than that. That's clearly you're fucking around. But that, and that, like you, you know, whatever you said was not said satirically. You know what I mean? I don't think the Noah thing is as dangerous. Mm. I just don't even think it matters anymore, man. Unfortunately, I don't think people care if you have a smile on your face and you're clearly, clearly going for laughs. Um, I think it's it's whatever comes out of your mouth because what happens is people transcribe that into articles, and then if you read it as opposed to hear it, you lose intonation, you yeah. lose the body language that you read behind the words, and you read it as a mm-hmm. court reporter 
script. Right, right, right. And you say, how could anyone have ever said that? If someone read me saying, this kid DM'd me, he's a hockey player, he's 15 years old. If I play my cards right, by the time he's 18, I think I can bang him. <laughs> without the laughter from you and Corinne, without the clear you know, inflection in my voice that is tipping my hand at satire, people would think I'm a monster. Mm-hmm. And that's what ends up happening a lot of the time. Anyway, look, I don't want to end the episode on a heavy note. Uh, I just want to say that I appreciate our listeners for being ed- educative and 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 giving us a little bit of leeway. Uh, it's very hard uh, to to try to be funny and not fuck up sometimes. Uh, and it's been said a thousand times. And I hate sounding like, you know, a fucking comedian or whatever. But uh, I just think there is a better way to correct. The mistakes that we we often come down on people for in, in terms of what they say and and lydia did a great job of that so uh you guys are an awesome audience love it um yeah all right dude the, the solid solid <laughs> wild ride episode dude we talked about musicals we talked about everything um but we listen we love you guys holiday week uh enjoy yourselves enjoy hanging with your families and all that stuff i hope it feels like like it used to you know what i mean pre in a pre-covid world um, we are Oops the Podcast. Uh, send us your thoughts, your emails, oopspodcast at gmail.com, at Oops the Podcast. Um, we'll see you guys at our live shows very soon. Uh, we'll have some cool stuff. We'll have some, mer- some merch, uh, some gifts, and fun shit. So see you soon. And that's all.